0: welcome to the federal executive forum series on federal news network here's your host luke mccormack
1: good afternoon and welcome to the federal executive forum celebrating 18 years of profiling excellence in government i.t mission programs i'm luke mccormack during today's show we will discuss best practices with it modernization programs and strategies in the federal government with me on today's show are Gundeep alawalia chief information officer department of labor Sean McIntyre, Director of Solutions Delivery Services, Federal Aviation Administration. Captain Andrew Campen, Engineering Services Division Chief, C5I Service Center, U.S. Coast Guard. Alan Hill, Chief Information Officer, Federal Communications Commission. Ray Bauer, Director, Domain Specialist Organization, Verizon Business. Nick Saki, Principal Technologist, U.S. Federal Pure Storage, and Chris Roberts, Director of Federal Engineering, Quest Software. But we are on an absolute tear on IT modernization, gun deep. Every time I look around, you've taken another bite at the TMF Apple. I think uh, I think actually Department of Labor, and hats off to you, has actually uh, gotten more tranches of modernization funding, uh, which means you've been very busy over the last couple of years than any other uh, department or agency. Give us the state of the state about what's happening over there.
2: Uh, thank you, first of all, Luke, for having me. And and it is a, it is indeed very energizing to be among such accomplished uh, uh, people on the panel as well. So I, I really appreciate it. Uh, so what I always like to start with, what does Department of Labor do? Okay, So we always get the unemployment number and the, get into the news for that. But we protect your 401k. We are inspecting every active mine twice a year. We are doing workable compensation claims for 2.5 million uh, uh, federal employees. Every cent and dollar of unemployment that gets into the system during the pandemic and normal times goes through a partnership with all the states through the Department of Labor. We are retraining America with a grant portfolio of $23 billion at any given time. So all this pressure that is happening with automation and self-driving cars and green jobs, well, guess what? Uh, one third or maybe more of our workforce needs to be retrained. And that's another area we, that we focus on. We are We are looking at apprenticeship opportunities, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I will tell you, the diversity of that mission makes it very challenging to drive digital modernization. And that's why, Luke, we have used multiple tools uh, to fund that or fuel that uh, digital modernization uh, across the board, right? But I also want want to make sure that people understand, digital modernization is not all about IT. It is about actually reconfiguring our our processes. It's about citizen experience. For example, our latest DMF board is um, for perm modernization. Very few people understand that actually the green card journey for certain uh, uh, types of immigrants begins at the bottom of labor, right? So all of these folks are coming in and applying for a perm uh, permanent residency labor certificate with us. Mm-hmm. That was the latest crunch of money we received from the DMF board to revolutionize or digitize, so that instead of the 16 page uh, labor certificate that I had when I immigrated in the year 2000 to the, to, to the United States, is actually becoming a um, boarding pass like United sends you before your flight, right? So, and you don't have to, because the next step is USCIS. Uh, we always, uh, uh, they used to staple these 16 pages and send it to, to USCIS uh, for uh, uh, immigration. Uh, all of that is going to go away and I just want to, folks don't understand this, but three—the uh, your place in the line in the immigration journey is determined based on the date that we put on your labor certificate. So me and a friend of mine came in the same year as two, year 2000 and he was four months after my date and it took him five more years to get his green card and then subsequently his immigra- uh, certificate uh, so that's the kind of uh, uh, impact that that particular program is going to have by shaving off a small number of days in the adjudication process. But it comes with partnership. It comes with actually reforming the forms. It comes with partnership with USCIS, with the program area itself. And yes, it is about IT as well. So I'm very proud of multiple uh, programs that are undergoing that, and we, I'll touch on those as we go through this. Uh, but I'm turning back to you, Luke.
1: Fascinating uh, capabilities that you're implementing there, and hats off to everybody over at Department of Labor. Sean, how about over at the FAA? A lot of activity going on over there. Everyone always talks about next gen, next gen, super important, huge program. There's a lot of other things going on over at the FAA these days.
3: Yeah, that's right, Luke. And, and thanks, Luke. Thanks for having me. Uh, there are a lot of possible lanes of IT modernization, and I think the FAA is pretty solid on many of the fundamentals. What I'd like to highlight is the attention the FAA has been giving to application modernization over the past few years. Right on. For net new requirements and rewrites, we've been steadily growing a number of solution options. We've built a pretty mature robotics process automation program that's focused on enabling individual citizen development. We're also leveraging low-code application platforms more and more for new requirements or rewrites of legacy applications. And our full-stack custom development capability is pretty solid when that approach makes sense. But the fact remains that we've got a large portfolio of legacy custom-developed applications that vary, with varying levels of technical debt. Modernizing at that scale needs a solution that's bigger than one application or program. It needs to be a multi-year, agency-wide campaign that addresses many fronts. For instance, the FAA has invested significantly in a portfolio insight program where we track around 100 data points for over 600 applications, and that's on the mission support side of the house alone. The information is invaluable in understanding the scope and scale of the challenges we face through many different lenses. We follow agile development principles pretty universally. We have a mature cloud computing program that counts hundreds of apps moved moved out of our premise data centers, but they never started there in the first place. We have mature DevSecOps tools and practices that we're integrating more and more of our applications into this model. These investments are enabling the FAA to breathe new life into many of these applications by updating every aspect and refactoring them for more cloud-native architectures like containers. And once an application has been through this transformation, it will be much easier to stave off the technical debt and vulnerabilities that inevitably accrue in all systems. And routine enhancements will be much easier to implement. We've successfully put 26 applications through this process. And we submitted a TMF proposal earlier this year to do 22 more, and were successfully approved for the funding. In general, I think the FAA is making great progress on getting all of the necessary precursors in place, to engage, to enable it to engage in a sustained forward thinking application modernization initiative that will have positive implications, not only for the FAA citizens and and industry stakeholders, but for the FAA workforce as well.
1: Well, the entire uh, traveling public uh, commends you for what you're doing. Love the building block approach there. And uh, the TMF, once again, I think it's a fantastic tool that I'm so pleased to see so many of you using. Captain, a lot of activity going on over at the Coast Guard. You've got, you all just transitioned a financial system. You're doing digital
4: signatures, all kinds of stuff going on over there. Give us the state of the state. Yes, sir. Hey, Luke, appreciate it. Thanks for this opportunity. Uh, Coast Guard Service Center, although we operate under the mission support side of the Coast Guard, you know, we are the heartbeat of the Coast Guard operations. Uh, here at the Service Center, 1,100 people, about an $800 million budget, we build, and support and deploy all the technology that the Coast Guard uses uh, to to conduct mission. And uh, the better our systems are, the more effectively they conduct that mission. So one of the, I think one of the most important things that we've seen over the last few years is the progress of senior leadership interest in what we're doing and understanding of technology and its impact operations. Started with our previous Commandant, uh, Admiral Schultz, and it's continued with Admiral Fagan. Uh, When she came into office last year, She initiated a 100-day plan, and there was a couple dozen initiatives that she wanted to get done quickly that she saw as having high impact to Coast Guard operations. Implementing the financial system, like you talked about, is one of them. Uh, But pretty much every single one of those had an IT aspect to it. Uh, So I think we've broken the dam of gaining support and understanding, strategic understanding, that IT is a critical enabler of operations. uh, And the more effective IT is, the more effective our operations are going to be. Uh, one of those big ones is another uh, recent contract that we released is our IT infrastructure support contract. Uh, earlier this year, we awarded that. And what that does is alleviate Coast Guard personnel from doing many of the network operations, mission support, uh, monitoring functions that we've done in the past, and pushing that off to a vendor who uh, so that's part of their port- core competency and their professionals in that environment, uh, and they will take that over for us. And that allows Coast Guard personnel uh, to focus on other mission support um, activities uh, that more directly impact uh, what Coasties are doing out there in the field. It unburdens ourselves uh, from some of these uh, organizational business IT services uh, and allows us to, again, to focus on more mission res- uh, support activities.
1: Um, that- Amen. We, we love the idea of the, uh, those individuals specially trained out there working on the uh, the safety aspect and rescuing people uh, off the boats, et cetera, and a lot of technology on those ships out there. So. Uh, Hats off to all the activity that's happening over at the Coast Guard. Alan, FCC, I always look at you all as one of these entities that are small, but very mighty. Tell us what's
5: happening over at the FCC these days. Thank you, Luke. Uh, It's a pleasure to be here and I'm honored to be with uh, such distinguished uh, speakers. Um, Over the past year, so I joined FCC one August of 2022. And uh, since arriving over the past year, we have really zeroed in on modernization efforts. We focused on the rationalization of our remaining services that are within our data center. Very detailed process. We have 444 steps that we focus on to make sure we capture every aspect of the tools we use to ensure we understand the data flows, how things communicate, both internal and external to the enterprise. Uh, We have retired, rehosted and refactored or either re-engineered several hundred since arriving here uh, where you already moved moved, uh, quite a number in just past month, a significant amount of services. We continue to migrate those services to our cloud service providers as we work through the rationalization process. As soon as we mer- move the workload, we pivot immediately to modernizing those services, maximizing as much as possible the FedRAMP cloud native capabilities. This is extremely important for us to build leverage these services so we're not bolt-in-known on third party. We want to make sure everything is natural, integrated, uh, seamless to the users.
1: Fantastic! A lot of activity going on over there. A tremendous amount of work that has happened over the last year. So hats off to you there. Ray, how about at Verizon Verizon Business? A lot of activity going on there. We can't modernize unless we connect these things together. Give us the state of the state as to what's happening there to help enable these agencies.
6: Thanks, Luke. That's right. I I appreciate uh, you having me here today. And certainly, that's what we're seeing at agencies. You know, the the modernization process uh, really relies on the network, and you know, we we appreciate that uh, the contracts have been modernized as well. Certainly, the, the GSA has uh, modernized with the Enterprise Infrastructure Solutions Contract. And Good catch you know, let- there, by
1: the way. I love that <laughs> modernize the
6: contract as well. It, it's so important that the procurement part is modernized as well, and that that contract allows agencies to buy like end-to-end solutions, right? So, uh, they're not having to piecemeal uh, their solutions together. And the other big piece that we're seeing is the network is evolving as a digital evolution platform. So these agencies are able to look at that as a secure experience from their user to the device, to the sensors, to the cloud applications. Um, And that allows for more robust zero trust governance across that platform. And then we're seeing that the government agencies are taking advantage of that and replacing their own physical networks, right? With um, modern infrastructure that's more um, cloud-based. And the importance of a comprehensive enterprise network strategy for these agencies is more important than ever now because the network reaches so far to mobile devices, IoT sensors, um, different uh, network access methods. So you're really seeing that this is the the key foundation for doing modernization projects and uh, being able to, you know, have secure access to those cloud applications. Um, We're seeing that, you know, a lot of agencies that are looking for partners that really have a lot of expertise in this space, and that's what Verizon brings, years of expertise, um, deploying networks, providing, you know, um, the design of those networks and then managing those going forward and, and taking a lot of that load off, making it more simple uh, for agencies to do business by relying on, you know, a, a trusted provider. The other thing we're seeing is toward, um, you know, providing a better experience for citizens that are consuming those government services. So we do a lot of work, you know, in the CX space and uh, we see that, you know, obviously with more employees that are working at the office or some at home, some on the road, those, you uh, you know, making a secure connection to those ecosystem partners is really important as well. So those are all things that we're doing for government agencies right now, and we're going to continue to see that evolve. A good catch on the
1: consumer end of that. Obviously, very uh, consumer-oriented business, a lot of backhaul. We love the reliability and availability. So thank you for that. And the security. Nick, pure storage. It's way bigger than storage, isn't it, Nick? Yeah, it's state of the state be, these days.
7: Don't be fooled by the name. How are you? Very good to be with you all this morning. So this era of modernization efforts and the expansion of the data architecture really aligns well to, to our vision. So our core focus appears helping federal agencies modernize their data service architecture in order to enable them to have maximum leverage over their data. And in this, in this day, data capacity, velocity, security, these needs are growing at explosive rates. And by enabling greater efficiency, security, and performance, we're allowing agencies to achieve faster, more accurate insights. In order to deliver better outcomes for their organizations, their missions, and our citizens, uh, all while driving down the cost of data and canceling technical debt. And that, that is it. The, the cancellation of technical debt that, uh, that Alan mentioned is actually one of the primary drivers behind our lifecycle sustainment model. So in order to, to be effective and successful in the 21st century, we've got to wrap our arms around how much does our data cost us and what can it deliver for us. And consequently, while the name is Pure Storage, our real focus is actually on data service and data management. We're very proud to partner with actually a number of the agencies who are represented on this call, as well as across the rest of the federal government.
1: We really do appreciate all the activity and work and capability that Pure Storage has brought to the ecosystem. Chris, tell us what is the state of state from your perspective
8: at Quest Software? Jose, uh, good morning, everybody. And I'm um, really excited to be here because some of my favorite agencies are here. You know, the people that take care of my planes, the guys that come get me when my yacht fails, for instance. And I use my phone all the time. And of course, I like my 401k. So all my favorite agencies are here this morning. Um, at Quest, we focus really on a lot of the modernization pieces that get left in that technical debt bucket. So that was a great catch, quite frankly, um, that Nick just pointed out and others talked about from a technical debt standpoint. That is, when we start to modernize, we look for the easy layups, quite frankly, the apps that we can quickly go cloud native. But a lot of the applications we use, and I think a lot of you have found out when you dig into your networks, that they're tied to on-prem systems. They're tied to things like Active Directory. They're tied to specific storage systems or network architectures. And vendors have architected, or ISVs rather, have architected these applications to work in a specific set of environments. And it's kind of like living on this planet. If we don't have enough earth, um, enough air, enough water, enough sunlight, we can't live and applications are very much the same way. So when you think about modernization, you start from the ground. You think about your infrastructure, the, the things that you know Nick was talking about and Ray was talking about. You move to your platforms and services where your data platforms and data applications actually live, the services that provide identity, security. And then the last piece that we often miss, miss um, forget about, honestly, is that user experience. And I think I was listening to someone over um, at OPM and they're hyper-focused on user experience because, quite frankly, if user experience for the federal worker who's delivering on a mission and doesn't able to deliver those applications to me, the end customer, the citizen, then it's a failing, quite frankly. And this is, inter- this is this misconception that government isn't getting it right. And our job really is to help our customers, one, focus in on those applications, deliver identity services at that application edge, right up through the service cloud, for instance, and make sure that they're able to deliver those missions and services. So I love the agencies that aren't here this morning. I'm partnering with some of them already and look forward to working with them more in the future. Thanks, Luke. Chris, and thank you for pointing out, you know, every CIO has those
1: internal customers that they're dealing with, right? right uh, the employees and their partners internally and then of course externally citizens etc so a very good catch there appreciate everything that quest is doing all right we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back you're listening to the federal executive forum on federal news network
9: how can your agency accelerate its network modernization and establish the right foundation for digital transformation verizon's network as a service Verizon's Network as a Service provides you a comprehensive, subscription-based and end-to-end network ecosystem that includes cloud-based interconnection services, hybrid connectivity, network visibility, security, and more. Modernize your network with Verizon's Network as a Service. To learn more, go to verizon.com slash public sector.
10: For the ninth consecutive year in a row, Pure Storage has been named a leader in the 2022 Gartner Magic Quadrant for primary storage arrays, positioned highest for ability to execute and furthest for completeness of vision. Pure has also been named a leader for the second consecutive year for distributed file systems and object storage. Pure uncomplicates government data management, Check out the Gartner Report to learn how Pure can help your agency reach its data potential at purestorage.com slash government. That's purestorage.com slash
0: government. With remote work becoming more widespread, traditional practices for protecting identity have proven inadequate. The time is right for government agencies to explore zero trust. Zero trust assumes that traffic inside the network is as likely to be as malicious as traffic outside the network. To protect your network and data, you need advanced automated tools that adhere to the principles of zero trust. Quest Public Sector has the end-to-end solutions you need to implement zero trust in your agency. Learn more at questpublicsector.com
1: welcome back to the federal executive forum on federal news network we are talking about it modernization and we're going to get into specific use cases i'm going to start with you captain Campen, at the coast guard can you give us an example of a specific program you'd like to highlight you toplined a lot of things a lot of activity going on over there give us one good one
4: so I think you know it's all about access to information, right? So specifically, uh, in the last couple of months, we've implemented or began the implementation of low latency and significantly higher bandwidth connectivity solution for our cutters. The cutters is kind of the forefront of the Coast Guard; it's what people see, it's what people recognize, uh, saving people out in the ocean. Those people on those cutters need access, instant access to information. They need their applications to work, and historically, they haven't worked well because of the, the significant latency and bandwidth demands of those applications. So providing them connectivity, similar to what we have in the office environment, they're able to do Teams calls, they're do, able to video chat with friends and family, they're able to uh, contact court partners uh, and make logistical arrangements with this new connectivity solution. And I think that's one of the biggest things uh, that we've been able to do uh, more recently. The second example I'll just uh, emphasize is the, uh, employment of services uh, that are provided by industry and not supporting those those systems and services ourselves, like Microsoft Teams, cloud business services, email, voice, video, and chat, uh, Outlook. Uh, It's been a few years now since we deployed that, but they continue to take advantage of those in a remote work environment, allow people instant access to information no matter where they are and allowing them to be more productive. Uh, So I think those are two important examples uh, that underline that instant access to information Uh, and and, and access to people who can help them get their mission done that we've been deploying.
1: Two fantastic examples, and I can't resist because I know the audience would love to know, how long is a Coast Guard cutter?
4: (laughs) Well, I think technically it has to be over uh, 87 feet. But if you see a white ship in the Coast Guard, that's a cutter. Uh, And then we have our aids to navigation uh, ships that are black, and we call them black holes typically. So cutters and black holes. Make up the, the majority of our, our vessels.
1: We appreciate everything that you all do every day, Chris. Quest Software, can you give us a specific example that you'd like to highlight in regards to helping one of these agencies modernize?
8: Sure, that's that's a tall order. So we're of course we're I mean we're across ninety percent of the federal agencies today. I mean we've been in the federal space for about thirty years. So but recently over the last year and a half we've been working with a large agency and their enterprise stretches both um, CONUS and OCONUS and they have desperate offices across the globe. Some are very autonomous. Um, they have to be able to function either with or without access to let's say the enterprise network as Andrew was just talking about, ship to shore communications, latency. They have the same problem that is some in some places, you know, a KA satellite they may have to do. In some places, they may have, you know, broadband. In a lot of cases, maybe a sat phone. So from our perspective, we had to educate them on one, no, you're not going cloud native with these types of applications and these services. And I think that's an over-reliance that a lot of vendors, you know, hate to pick on the cloud vendors, but they'd like to tell, hey, go cloud native. Everything will be fine. We'll take care of everything. And I always want to point out something we used to talk about back in the 90s when we were deploying broadband. is like, what about the last mile? Um, I know some of you may not be old enough to remember these terms that Verizon may have talked about, or even some other vendors like fiber to the curb. Thank you for my files. I love my life now, but that was a dream back then. So, this agency has to deal with the fact that they don't have that capability, that network isn't there. So we had to one, show, show them how one, they can keep supporting the applications that were critical to those offices that remote in places that quite frankly, I never wanted to visit, but at the same time able to modernize, modernize and deal with the latency issues in those applications. So Coast Guard deals with these, Navy deals with it, that is shift to short communications, the latency, the synchronization of applications and information, Um, basically just keeping everything in sync. So we help them understand exactly what they need to do with one, their identity infrastructure, everything from active directory to the databases, to the data layer and the infrastructure, and exactly how they can keep those offices humming while they modernize in step. And when I say in step, that means baby steps. Start with the infrastructure, move to the services, the platform, and the applications. It's a phased approach over a number of years. We're not going to get to this panacea overnight. Modernization can never stop. And unfortunately, the TMF has to be funded every year, please. So tell your congressman.
1: Amen. And we really appreciate everything that you're doing to offload uh, the Coast Guard folks so those men and women can go out there and do what they do best, which is uh, keeping us safe out there on the waters gun deep you mentioned a lot of different activities over there give us one that you want to shine a light on over at the department of labor
2: yeah it was it was very hard when i was trying to pick which one okay because it, it, uh, all of these programs are so close to me but i'll pick one uh in the unemployment insurance space uh i think that during the pandemic uh, the unemployment insurance system became a uh, there, there was a light that was shining on it right because these systems, uh, which were which were usually getting, uh, 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 they were getting eight, ten times the the volume of claims uh, that they were used to, right? Which means it it is also susceptible to uh, fraud, and then doing mm-hmm. ID proofing and things like that became such a, a challenge. The one entity that kept working all through the pandemic and has always delivered is the United States Postal Service, and it came to my house as your house. Six times a week, every week, and there was this moment that came to us a year and a half ago, and we said, "Like, well, can't we do ID proofing through my local post office?" And I know that it's well, ninety-five percent of our U.S. population, even in suburban areas where people don't have smartphones or internet connectivity, as Chris was talking about, they still know their post office. They know their postman. So we started a program uh, to start doing ID proofing for many of these states uh, through the United States Postal Service uh, while uh, helping solve and reduce fraud, improving equity for people who don't have access to technology, as well as uh, uh, um, giving a revenue stream to the United States Postal Service as well. So I think it was a, uh, we are live in three states now, uh, Arkansas, Oregon, and um, uh, Oklahoma. And there are 15 other states that are lined up uh, to go live on on, on this capability, which means you just walk into a local post office, show your ID and there is a small API that we have connected these states uh, claim systems uh, with uh, uh, USPS and it says, yep, your ID has been verified and immediately your claims are, are, are processed from there on out. So incredibly proud of that capability. It required a lot of coordination with these states, with the United States Postal Service, partnership addendums, legalese that I don't want to go into, uh, but it it is something that is a improvement for that claimant who has had a life event of losing a job and is now not getting his check in a timely fashion due to uh due to ID proofing or gets a check and then it gets a notice that oh there was overpayment uh, or you know someone else has stolen your identity and things of that nature so incredibly proud of that particular program and I think that
1: fantastic use case and what a partnership uh, postal service getting it done every day as well uh, uh, tremendous ecosystem there that can be leveraged I uh, think about the uh the COVID test as well, right? Another great example of that. So hats off to you and the Postal Service for making that happen at such a uh, an important time. Ray, how about at Verizon Business? Can you give us a uh, a program that you'd like to highlight?
6: Yeah, but a, a couple of examples real quick. And um, Postal System, we're doing a lot of work for. I didn't choose that one today, but it was uh, good to hear that. Um, I wanna talk about FAA FN. So my uh, counterpart here, Sean, um, Knows a lot about what Verizon's doing. I'm sure. So we're building FA, a, a dynamic, highly available um, enterprise network, and it's going to support all the agents, the agency's mission-critical applications across the national air, airspace system, and then that also includes the air traffic management. Um, and it's going to, you know, help align uh, the the traffic for 45,000 flights, 2.9 million airline passengers traveling across more than 20, 29 million square miles that make up the national U.S. airspace. So. The network platform it's designed for the future and it has a a lot of capabilities that meet the next generation of applications like we've talked about here Um, it's got greater bandwidth requirements and then the communications infrastructure supports both air and ground safety for the passenger for freight and for selected department of of defense flights as well and that's uh, across three separate networks one for nas one for administrative and one for research development Uh, one other thing i wanted to talk about was also voice modernization we're doing for the irs And, and there we're providing a better citizen employee experience. Mm. Uh, They're really doing some some great work, uh, improving those efficiencies for both the human and the system resource utilization. And we're helping reduce those bottlenecks with the agency interactions. Um, We're helping automate interactions and reducing calls to agents using natural language IVR technology. Uh, We're helping them schedule calls with the contact center agents instead of reacting and deflecting calls so that the citizens are getting a better experience. And in the future, we're starting to help them uh, meet constituents where they are, moving seamlessly across different channels of communication. So not just uh, the contact center agents, but on the webs and with chat and SMS, and then really helping them improve those experience metrics that they measure uh, for their success. So a lot of modernization going on, a lot of things that we're helping both from a network perspective, but then also from a a citizen experience and, and a user experience perspective.
1: I appreciate that. And we love the omni-channel play there. Uh, you mentioned the FAA, Sean. I'm going to send it up to you. Uh, you mentioned, uh, actually, it was mentioned. Everyone thinks of passengers, right? And obviously, that's job one. There's also a lot of uh, freight and cargo flying out there every day as well. How about a uh, specific program you'd like to highlight, Sean?
3: Well, I'm I'm going to cheat, and uh, other than the uh, two that I mentioned already earlier, I'm going to I'm going to mention three, but I'll make it quick. Uh, we've, uh, we've got RPA automations propping up all over the place. Uh-huh. Award-winning automation manages complex training plans without altering our enterprise learning management solution. That's one of the strengths of RPA. Uh, and one of our line of business partners plans to reduce one portfolio of 79 custom apps down to a fraction of that number. that They haven't really uh, determined yet, but it's it's way less than half. Uh, by integrating program requirements and using a low-code application platform. The analysis they performed in order to formulate this plan was very dependent on our portfolio insight data. Uh, This is a great example, in my opinion, of of application rationalization at its best. Uh, We're also in the process of refactoring over 100 legacy applications to be able to take full advantage of our enterprise identity service. Uh, Mm -hmm. They can be fully uh, MFA compliant response to the executive order. Uh, They're they're not SAML or OIDC uh, Connect uh, compliant yet, but we're, we're refactoring the front ends to be able to. And that's what I got. Thank you.
1: A lot of heavy lifting going on over there at the FAA, and we really appreciate it. Nick, give us a, a specific program. You trust on a lot of different activities going on. Can you highlight one for us?
7: Yeah, sure thing, Luke. Um, I think I'd like to highlight uh, the Internal Revenue Service and their Modernized Infrastructure Data Services Platform. So mm-hmm. we uh, we partnered with them a couple of years ago to help them uh, really transform and modernize their legacy infrastructure. And if you think about you know the mission of the IRS, is, is is absolutely essential uh, to the united states we look at it from the perspective of taxpayers as that's where we pay our taxes to the federal government looks at it as that's where our money comes from so what we enabled them to do was significantly upgrade transform and reduce the footprint of their it infrastructure centralize their data services on modernized platforms that again to the point of this enabled them to gain tremendously more capability, adapt to new workloads, tremendous increases in data, changes in mission, all while operating to drive down the cost of their data and their services. So this, this has effectively significantly centralized a lot of their IT services and created a platform to enable them to fulfill their data strategy uh, for the next, you know well, the nearly indefinite future. And it's been, it's been a bold program. The IRS has been amazing in their focus and their... Uh, intensity on affecting this transformation they've done it in a for government, actually for any large enterprise, a tremendously short period of time. But that was fundamentally enabled by the technology as well. and they were able to do it because the tools coming in and the capabilities coming in were tremendously more capable but also much simpler uh, than the technologies of the past. so you know one of We've been very proud to partner with them and we're looking forward to continuing to help them uh, streamline increase their capacity their responsiveness and their overall capability while driving down costs and delivering better outcomes
1: really do appreciate that a lot of heavy lifting going on over there a lot more modernization heavy lifting to come with the uh uh the onslaught of the uh, funding that they've just received alan fcc would you like to highlight an example of a program
5: I actually like to talk more holistically about more about the application. You know, it's not just about modernizing the applications in a data center. Uh, it's important to modernize holistically the enterprise. Um, this includes what's already been moved to the cloud. Um, we're looking at services previously migrated to our CSVs, such as things moving to where we moved in infrastructure as a service or platform mm-hmm. as a service. Maybe a we little can- lifting,
1: shifting, right?
5: Yeah, it's that lift and shift and how do you modernize and maximize that, those native cloud capabilities? Because one of the challenges in government is continuous modernization. CSPs have shown that they're able to modernize these technologies continuously. So we want to move up that stack as much as possible and leverage much as native capabilities there are in, those, in our federal cloud services uh, and shift the responsibility of those modernizations to where the CSP is taking care of that for us. Uh, in addition, we can't forget about our network. Um, The infrastructure is extremely important for us to have seamless delivery and complete visibility of all the data end to end. Um, Our objective is to move away from the revolutionary approach that we take to modernize systems and get into a more evolutionary approach using that cloud business model. Extremely important so that as technologies change out and leveraging as a service, those technologies are evolving and we're having it done through our providers and been able to do that in such a way that we can create a seamless ex- a good customer experience for it. Um, in addition, um, moving from that, we want technologies to be through frictionless acquisition and pay for what you use so that the taxpayers are benefiting from the services provided by our providers, but also that they are also getting the value out of it.
1: Fantastic. And we really do appreciate that. We're going to roll over to priority is gonna stick with the top priority. I, always, I know this is always tough, but we're gonna tr- give it a try. Captain, let's ask you, top priority for you this year as you all are going on your modernization journey.
4: So I think, I think as, as Alan was mentioning with the enterprise importance of IT and the enterprise uh, landscape, um, understanding how these systems affect our mission and our operations. We can deploy whatever technology we want, right? So if that technology provides us a new capability, but we're not pr- taking advantage of it, it, it we're not going to we're not going to we're not going to realize the benefits. So our operators, one of the challenges we continuously have is getting them to understand the capability and the benefits of the new solutions we're providing and how they need to change their processes, their techniques, their mindset uh, to take advantage of those capabilities. So I think that customer engagement understanding what it is they want, them understanding what the technology and the solutions that we provide can do for them, and them taking advantage of that uh, and rolling that into successful operations is is one of our greatest challenges moving forward.
1: Unlock all these different capabilities once you lay that platform down, and um, it's fascinating to watch it happen, so we really appreciate it. We're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Federal Executive Forum on Federal News Network.
9: How can your agency accelerate its network modernization and establish the right foundation for digital transformation? Verizon's Network as a Service. Verizon's Network as a Service provides you a comprehensive subscription-based and end-to-end network ecosystem that includes cloud-based interconnection services, hybrid connectivity, network visibility, security, and more. Modernize your network with Verizon's Network as a Service. To learn more, go to verizon.com slash public sector.
10: For the ninth consecutive year in a row, Pure Storage has been named a leader in the 2022 Gartner Magic Quadrant for primary storage arrays. Positioned highest for ability to execute and furthest for completeness of vision. Pure has also been named a leader for the second consecutive year for distributed file systems and object storage. Pure uncomplicates government data management Check out the Gartner Report to learn how Pure can help your agency reach its data potential at purestorage.com slash government. That's purestorage.com slash government.
0: With remote work becoming more widespread, traditional practices for protecting identity have proven inadequate. The time is right for government agencies to explore zero trust. Zero trust assumes that traffic inside the network is as likely to be as malicious as traffic outside the network. To protect your network and data, you need advanced automated tools that adhere to the principles of zero trust. Quest Public Sector has the end-to-end solutions you need to implement zero trust in your agency. Learn more at questpublicsector.com.
1: Welcome back to the Federal Executive Forum on Federal News Network. We are talking about IT modernization and we're getting into priorities. Chris, I'm gonna start with you.
8: Top priority for Quest Software this year. So our priority this year, and as in years past and the years to come, will always be the securing and hardening of our customers' infrastructures. And what I mean by that is, infrastructure is not automatic, um, but it does require automation. It is not simple, but it needs to be simple. So we spend a lot of time with our customers, helping them get through exactly one. How do we automate security efficiently? How do we avoid script kitty type mistakes, for instance? How do we avoid blowing away an OU within an infrastructure and losing access for all my, my, our remote users? So I help our customers understand exactly what they need to do, basically secure that infrastructure, whether it's at the identity layer, or the application layer, for instance, or some other service layer, um, and then start to think about exactly what you can do further on to harden those platforms. What I mean by that is. Um, there was a le- recent report about lights. I think my light spin that said 46%, 46% of AWS buckets are unsecured. Um, then 42% of those had unsecured objects or misconfigured objects. For instance, what that really means is think of the Capital One breach, for instance, where Capital One forgot to configure a bucket, and then they wanted to blame AWS. And there's this blame game, and you have to understand. They give you infrastructure and that's what we help our customers understand like this is your infrastructure what are you doing to secure it for instance so we help them understand exactly one who has privileged access who has access to certain data you know one of the things that i think sean realizes in his environment too is like as you modernize you have all these data structures underneath those and nick knows this too as well who has access to all those underlying data structures and where does that data go and do you understand your data or information pipeline I we help our customers do that but one of the key things our priorities around this year are helping them understand what those identities are doing across all those layers, across all those data stacks, for instance, especially the privileged users, the ones who can do the most damage, like um, I won't mention any more names, the ones that can actually leak information, for instance, or cause the most damage to your infrastructure. And we focus on helping them understand what are those individuals doing, for instance, and be able to report back and control that in an automated fashion to give you not just security but the best type of zero trust based security in the industry. And that's our top priority. The last priority I'll say is we are super hyper focused on secure supply chains. No one's already talked about that and we're not talking about that today, but that's something that we need to focus on too as well. If we don't focus on our secure supply chains, especially your software vendors we have i think we've done a great job with hardware but software there's a lot of porous in our software supply chains and we've worked really hard as a company to make sure that we can deliver to the federal government software that meets those requirements that laid out in the executive orders and
1: we really do appreciate it especially the catch on the uh, on the cloud uh, environment uh, while you acquire those cloud services it's still your responsibility to ensure the security of them gun deep top priority for you uh, this year at department of labor a lot of activity going on over there what's the number one priority
2: so I I don't think any of us have the luxury of one priority, uh, Luke. Right? I mean, I I think uh, moving to the cloud, cyber security executive order, uh, uh, encryption, logging, uh,
1: table stakes these days, right?
2: But experience, all of these things are just like they have to be done, right? I think I think the 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 key piece that I want to bring home is I want to focus on people. Uh, I want to focus on building a workforce that can deliver. I want to focus on their customer experience or employee experience, as they call it, right? Because they're the ones who get out there uh, and and do the mission delivery. And then I want to uh, 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 focus on the people externally, right? So if we look at, we call it user-centric design, we call it customer experience, we call it, but if we take that thread, that I'm going to make my employees' life easier. I'm going to build a competent, diverse uh, uh, workforce. I'm going to deliver to the American people in a manner that improves their immigration journey and the transition assistance for veterans that we do or workman compensation claims for black lung uh, uh, claimants. uh, Those are, if you start going through that thread and increase the velocity of reform, right, I think we will all be successful, right? So the other things I think from a technical perspective are more apparent and they come automatically if you focus on on that uh, in, in that manner. So I am going to continue to focus on people liberating information from our data and delivering services to the Americans, as well as reforming the internal employees for the Department of Labor who are doing that mission delivery. That's going to be my prime focus.
1: I really appreciate the focus on the personnel, Nick. Top priority at Pure
7: Storage. I'm with Gundeep. That I suppose that the one big strategic priority we've got revolves around the fact that data drives decisions. We drive the data. So to that end, we focus on maximizing data leverage by creating the means to increase the capacity efficiency and security of data services, uh, to provide holistic solutions for integrating data services from the edge of the cloud, bringing that all together, making it secure, driving down its cost. All of those are our primary focus, but at the end of the day, it's enabling our customers, agencies, organizations uh, to obtain maximum leverage over their data to achieve beneficial outcomes. So how, what else are we doing? Um, increasing the density of the data platforms themselves by 100% uh, over the next year. Uh, ultimately, in three years, we'll be able to deliver 100 petabytes of data and basically a half a rack of equipment. So that's that's fundamentally transformational. That's literally eliminating data centers. I mean, tri- that's pulling megawatts of power off of the grid and delivering efficiencies and economies of scale that are unparalleled and unprecedented.
1: When we really appreciate that, and those are impressive numbers. Sean, FAA, top priority for you this year?
3: Yeah, I, I, I can't name a, a single top priority, but uh, uh, within the context of application modernization, one of our next step, prior, step priorities is to be very intentional about developing a mature product management capability. I think this can be an answer to successfully managing the seemingly ever-present gaps and understanding between business requirements, between the business and the technical teams when managing software development projects. So I, I think that's something that we need to really uh, uh, invest our time and, and effort into, because I think that's sort of the icing on the cake uh, on top of the other capabilities that we're putting together.
1: Absolutely the crescendo, and we really do appreciate it. Ray, top priority for you all at Verizon Business.
6: Yeah, I say a, a top priority, I think it really matches what, what People we're talking about here really if you focus on the employees you know there's a there's a lot of trends out there and um, getting the right people in the right jobs and making them you know be able to be successful in their in their particular scenarios is really important so a top priority for us is to enable those workers um, to, to do that job better make it more simple and have a consistent experience whether they're in the office they're at home or they're out you know uh, working remotely and so you know we have a lot of solutions that help with that we're, we're really focusing on Enabling, you know, so many of our customers are are Microsoft Teams users. Uh, We have solutions to help them use that as a calling platform. We're the only uh, carrier in the United States that can provide uh, a a solution so that they can actually use their mobile phone as a Teams phone. Um, We also are are providing like wireless access for them to work from home. So you can have a ubiquitous uh, solution for all the people in your agencies that might work from home, and you're able to lock that down and provide, you know, the security built into the network for that. Um, you know, connecting those applications in the cloud. So I think the trends of laying the, the proper network foundation and using that network as a platform continue and really focusing on the, that user experience, the end users, the people that are, that are working and doing the job and making sure that that experience is easy, but then also making sure that, um, you know, that, that we can do that because we, you know, we deploy networks, we manage networks. So we can make, you know, what is really complex to a lot of people, we can make that more simple
1: and easy to use. Laying those tracks down, very important. We appreciate it. Alan, top priority for you at the FCC this year.
5: Well, I would say doing as much as possible as anything as a service with security built in nice. Uh, shifting from those responsibilities that my staff has traditionally provided and freeing up my staff to focus on FCC unique business needs. Uh, it, it is difficult to take those unique business needs and translate that to. COTS products type things or services uh, that are done in a commercial space. So by shifting to things like network as a service, security as a service, infrastructure as a service, function as a service, maximize the native cloud capabilities that will free my staff to be able to focus on these unique uh, uh, systems that are specific to the FCC uh, and develop those type of of business uh, uh, technologies and let those enterprise services be done by those that are, that's their core competency.
1: Love the focus on uh, up the FCC value chain. I think that's fantastic. All right, we're gonna have to wrap it up here. And we always like to, to close with this last question, which is we're gonna fast forward two to three years and tell us what the future looks like. Chris, we're gonna start with you at Quest. What do you all have coming out of development? What's the demand signal out there? What's it gonna look like two to three years from now?
8: So I think the push to cloud isn't going to stop, but I think we have to redefine exactly what we mean by cloud. So there's this traditional notion that if I'm going to go cloud native, I've got to have a great infrastructure service partner, AWS, Google, Microsoft, et cetera. Um, But I beg to differ. I've been talking to a lot of my agency partners, especially in DODIC, where they have a very different vision. That is, they expect to have secure workloads running in an enclave, which they feel confident that is secure. And I think that's a question now. I think we've seen recent issues with the prevailing cloud platforms that are out there and how they're delivering security and how they're able to keep up with the volume of traffic and actually doing relatively (laughs) advanced analytics to ensure that those workloads are safe. So as we think about cloud, don't just think about the normal definition of that. Think about it being a more of a managed service. I I think Verizon is used to this, for instance, where we've always had managed services of some sort. The question now is, how effectively can we manage those applications? Sean talked about modernizing the applications, for instance, low code, no code. That's great platforms. We have to start thinking about what does modernization, what does cloud mean, for instance, but I think the future is gonna be a mix of all of those things. So the question now for us is, How do we ensure that every application or service or infrastructure we deploy can be managed, can be monitored, can be audited, for instance, can be secured and protected in a control plane that we all understand or a vendor understands? And I love working with my SI partners because they take a lot of that burden off of us. But the future has to be where we all understand exactly what that definition of not just cloud is, but how we manage and secure everything that we put up there, both when it's on-prem and when it's in the cloud and everything in between, because I don't think we're there yet. So I think my vision of the future is where we can do that effectively and have a relatively good control of all those different planes and be relatively confident that our country, the data we use, and me as a citizen feel confident that it's secure and in place.
1: Simplification, very important. Nick? pure storage two to three years from now,
7: what's it going to look like? Well, thanks, Luke. <clears throat> well, fundamentally, we're, we're focused on building a f- better foundation for data. So looking at deploying technologies that takes the friction out of the data enterprise, to Chris's point, seamlessly moving that data across every uh, place where it needs to be accessed or leveraged or created. Uh, So deploying technologies that shrink the footprint of the data infrastructure by 90% over the next two two to five years. Mm -hmm. Developing technology that enables agencies to shrink their data footprint, cancel their technical debt, uh, drive down the cost of the data, and most importantly, improving the security of that data. So that should allow tremendous reduction in uh, footprint, energy consumption, e-waste, and cost, while delivering profound performance improvements that will ultimately contribute to much faster insights and yielding faster and better decisions and outcomes.
5: We deal, with data as a,
7: we deal with data as a wholesale commodity, uh, enabling all the applications and services and activities that happen with it. We're trying to make that as invisible as possible.
1: It sounds exciting. We really appreciate everything Pure Storage is doing in this ecosystem. Ray, Verizon Business, we have
6: 5G. Are we going to see 6G, 7G? Where does it end two to three years from now? Well, there's there's a lot that's still going to happen on 5G. As you know, uh, we we pay the FCC, you know, 50 billion plus uh, for a lot of spectrum, which uh, is really like lakefront property, some of the best spectrum out there. And some of the use cases are amazing that are coming along. We're going to see enhanced augmented and virtual reality for elevated interactive training simulations. We're going to see autonomous transportation across a lot of different use cases where vehicles can communicate with each other and, and other infrastructure in real time. We're going to see immersive uh, situational awareness aggregating data and analyzing that for a lot of different iot devices we're going to see intelligent cities and airports and ports and venues using 5g capacity uh, to connect a lot of different devices as well and that's going to help improve uh, more and have more immersive services you're going to see improved public safety and, and better disaster response um, you're going to see more and more analytics and ai uh, with large language models that are you're doing compute at the edge so We're seeing a lot of things, and and, and for example, like with 5G, uh, we're working with the VA at Palo Alto for use cases for AR-assisted pre-surgical guidance with uh, 3D x-ray vision. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're doing VR-assisted medical learning with clinicians who they can interact, and and they can walk into 3D models of human organs. It's it's amazing. Uh, There's holographic teleportation um, that we can do, enhancing clinical interactions and digital twin deployments. These are things that we're doing with the VA now. And so uh, the the future bright. I mean, where we start to bring uh, flexible networks that can incorporate different types of connectivity, we can leverage the power of five G and you know provide um, security in the network. All these things are happening now, and in the next three to five years, it's just going to grow exponentially.
1: We really appreciate it, and we're all looking forward to that. Alan, uh, you talked about a lot of uh, activity over there at the FCC. You're laying the tracks down, doing a lot of transformation what are you what are you expecting two to three years from now?
5: Uh, first thing is we're completely out of that data center um, mm-hmm. in the in the in the cloud uh, the various uh, cloud providers um, to me, it's the best way to maximize the type native cloud cloud capabilities by putting technology that needs to be upgraded in that area. Um, we're right now roadmapping our future state. Uh, the hopes is to have that completed. Uh, And it's not just about the modernization, but to create that, what I call the quantum proof zero trust uh, network enterprise. We need to think about our adversaries and what they're trying to do and how we prevent them from getting into our networks and getting to that trusted data. Mm -hmm. Uh, And our goal is to have an intelligent uh, and uh, security built in every packet of data as it traverses the network with the intelligence built in that. So that we have an elastic business smart enterprise that is adaptive, it's uh, it's proactive, vice reactive. We're we're in a reactive state. We get into where we the, the business systems are adjusting to business demands to security threats, uh, so that we're not sitting there waiting on human uh, intervention for things to uh, adjust the network to support the enterprise.
1: Well, we love a modern and flexible FCC, so we really do appreciate that, Captain. It sounds like you're going to have all the cutters modernized two to three years from now, perhaps? Uh, if somebody's out on the high sea, can they expect an autonomous helicopter to show up and a robot to drop down and rescue them? What are we gonna see in two to three years from now?
4: I'm sure someone will see that, but probably not in the next two or three years. But you know, change is happening faster now more than ever, but it'll never be this slow again. So we can't be everything to everybody. And I think we need to expand our knowledge and understanding of that IT environment. Application rationalization is absolutely critical less is more so the less that we're supporting out there but the more effective that those applications can be uh, is absolutely critical the average Coastie stays the same age you know they're they're 22 23 years old they grew up with technology they were born in this millennium so they expect a lot of it they know how to operate this equipment Um, we need to provide them tools that they would expect that they see in their everyday lives uh, so they don't get discouraged uh, leave the service uh, frustrated that that we're not advancing technology to what they should expect. Um, so we need a, the customers expect a more responsive uh, environment and the better that we can understand our IT environment, um, the better we can affect change management, uh, understanding the configurations of our systems, the faster we can change and adopt. So I think in that future environment we really need to understand uh, what our systems are, what they're doing, how they interoperate with each other, and ensuring that we're providing interoperability, That that data can be seen, can be accessed, uh, can relate to information uh, and data in other systems, Uh, and with that, you know, improving the the interoperability and access to information uh, will be in a pretty good place.
1: Really do appreciate everything that you're doing over there, Captain. Sean, how about at the FAA? Two to three years from now, a lot of transformation going on over there. What are you expecting to, where are you expecting to be two to three years from now?
3: Yeah, my my thoughts were more uh, broadly applicable to the government. Um, I think the government will become increasingly able to continuously modernize and optimize uh, its portfolio of applications. And I think we'll get a handle on the software dependency management and software supply chain security. Uh, If we're able to do this, I'm hoping that one benefit among many that uh, we'll be able to uh, get from this is the government will be able to apply a risk-based approach to vulnerability management. Not every vulnerability is exploitable in every circumstance. Uh, We should try to get to the point where we can prioritize remediation of vulnerabilities by their circumstantial exploitability and true potential impact rather than just the fact that they exist. Uh, Of course, we definitely need to get them remediated, uh, but we may not need to immediately drop everything we're doing in every circumstance. That's what I'm hoping will happen government-wide.
1: We really do appreciate that, and thank you for sort of that broader outlook. Gun Deep, I'm gonna uh, rewind. If 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 you're you uh, and the experience that you had uh, when you came uh, to this country, fast forward two to three years from now, what's that experience going to look like? What do you expect to see two to three years from now?
2: I think I think the the experience is going to be completely different, right? It's not going to be reliant on snail mail it is going to be digital. Uh, The private citizens are going to become less and less tolerant of uh, processes that take longer than they they take uh, to buy something on Amazon, right? So I think that is the expectation from government services, from government benefits, uh, et cetera. So I think speed to delivery, velocity, unlocking information from data and serving it to the right person at the right time in a secure manner, without infringing people's privacy is going to be the name of the game in the future, right? So I said a lot of things in there. It takes cloud native. It takes cybersecurity executive order. It takes partnership with vendors. It takes adoption of emerging tech to actually deliver a phrase as simple as convert data into meaningful information, deliver it to the right person at the right time in a secure manner without infringing privacy of the private citizens.
1: Really do really do appreciate that and look forward to that. And thank you for, uh, uh, for all that you're doing over there at the Department of Labor. All right, we're going to wrap it up. I'd like to thank today's guests for taking the time out of their busy schedules to join us on the program and fighting the good fight every day. We really appreciate it. I'd like to thank all of our sponsors for supporting us on this show. I'd like to thank the good people here at Federal News Network that make our program so successful and enjoyable. And most of all, I'd like to thank the listening audience out there that tune in every month. You're listening to the Federal Executive Forum, part of the Federal News Network.
0: Thank you for listening to the Federal Executive Forum series on Federal News Network. This show was produced by Treza Media Group. If you missed any portion of this show, you can listen to the show in its entirety and on demand at federalnewsnetwork.com.